I just absolutely love it when we begin to worship God and pour out our hearts to him. It's a great experience, isn't it, that we have. And uh, I never cease to be amazed at how inspiring the songs of God are when our hearts are down and our spirits are low. And yet God in his grace will bring us to a point of worship. And I think I preached on Psalm 3 here already. When David was down in his spirit, God brought him to a point of worship where he began to magnify the Lord. And you know, when we begin to magnify the Lord, our spirits become lifted up. Isn't that right? It's wonderful to see you. This morning I want to read to you from the book of Hebrews and only two verses. If you have a Bible, please turn with me please to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, and we're going to read two verses, and we'll break in at verse 27. Verse 27 says this, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men once to die, after this comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. Let's just bow for a moment's prayer. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we realize the importance of your word at work in our lives. We thank you for the transforming power of the gospel. We thank you that this is no ordinary gospel, and that, Father, it costs you your son on the cross of Calvary to give his life as an atonement for sin that men and women might be reconciled back to God and so we pray this morning Father that you will help me to minister your word the weakest of your servants give me strength let the spirit of God prevail in our midst and allow your word to settle in our hearts that we might be like the psalmist who said thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee so Lord Take your word into all of our hearts. There is probably something here for all of us. But there is probably something here specific to one of us. Whatever your word is going to achieve today, this morning, we pray, Father, that it will bring forth fruit to your glory. Hear our prayers as we offer you our thanks in the worthy name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm honoured again to be back with you and to open up God's Word. I say this all the time. This is the most important book that you will ever read. Um, please don't hesitate to open it in your own private life, in your home, in the closet. Whatever circumstances of life you find yourself in, you can be assured that you'll find an answer to it here. And not only will you find an answer to it here, but the God who speaks to us is the God who will answer you. So please, I would encourage you to come to the word of the living God. I often quote Hebrews 12 and 25. See to it. There's an action point. See to it that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse to hear the voice of him that spoke on earth, much less shall we escape if we refuse to hear the voice of him that speaketh from heaven. Jesus himself said in John 10, My sheep 
hear my voice and they follow me. Now I'm going into Tuesday night's message and I don't want to do that. But um, I hope that you'll be encouraged as you open up the word of God and you discover the eternal truths, the encouragement, the strength, uh, the depth of praise and worship that you will enter, enter into when you open up this word and discover the reality of Jesus Christ. <coughs> I find that nowadays, and I wasn't planning to say this, but I find that nowadays as I move about, I find I speak a lot to a lot of Christians who are finding their source of joy in other things. But I want to tell you, there is one real source of joy, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He will fill you with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He is the one who is the spring of water. The well of water springing up into everlasting life. He is the one who said that out of you shall flow rivers of living water. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're really thirsty, if you're Christians this morning and you're really thirsty, come to the word of God. It will build you up. It will, it will strengthen you. It will give you wisdom. James says that. Anybody who lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he will give to him wisdom in its abundance. And that's what God wants to do for you this morning. There is nothing in your life that he doesn't know about. And there is no part of your life that he doesn't want to touch. He wants to minister to you in every part of your being. Alright, let's go to our message this morning. As we journey through life, we will be uh, attracted or distracted by the voices of people calling out to us for one thing or another. What we buy, where we go, we can't put on the television, but you'll see the adverts. The voices of the adverts calling out to us to buy stuff. Friends, we keep enemies we shun. How we are educated or not, what success of life we make or not. The image we create around us, good or bad. The life we live morally, economically, politically, socially, religiously and in many other ways. The question I want to ask you this morning is, how have these voices affected you over the years? How have the voices of the world calling out to you over the years affected you? Voices in this world will continue to affect us and uh, affect the way that you perceive life until the day that we die. Our text reads this morning, Inasmuch as it is appointed unto man once to die, after this is the judgment. And I want to consider three things in our text this morning. First of all, I want to consider an appointed time. Secondly, I want to consider an appointed purpose. And thirdly, an appointed outcome. During our lifetime, we are presented with a variety of appointments, aren't we? Some of them are painful. Who enjoys going to the dentist to get a filling? I remember at one point I had to go to the dentist. And I had four teeth in the bottom that they needed to extract. And they couldn't extract them because the roots of the teeth had turned their way up and they'd end up cutting open my gum. And it was very, very painful. It was not something that I enjoyed. Going to the dentist, going to the doctor, going to the hospital. Sometimes ending up in court because we've done something wrong. These are not very pleasant appointments. Sometimes they're painful for us. But some are pleasant. The ladies love to go to the hairdressers, don't they? 
I can see that looking at some of the ladies this morning. Uh, during the week, we had a, a, a hairdresser in our home. She closed her business in the early, but my wife has invited her to come along and do her hair. And I, and I remember when I went in, and, and, and she says to me, what do you think of my hair? And I said, it's lovely, it's beautiful. I didn't see anything else, of course. <laughs> but it was beautiful, you know. And it's amazing the difference it makes to see a woman with her hair done. It's lovely. And of course, some of these appointments are really, really good and joyful appointments. Children, we're coming to Christmas soon, aren't we? I'm glad the children aren't here. <laughs> or are they? They're here. They're here, eh? And of course, they love Santa Claus, don't they? Getting their, wee, their faces opening up, beaming on a, on a Christmas morning and looking at all the presents around the tree. And, oh, they just love it, don't they? But then some appointments are very sad. Sometimes there can be a sudden death. Sometimes there can be the loss of a loved one. And funerals are not very pleasant experiences by and large. But, I want to say this this morning. The funeral of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can be a joyous occasion. Yes, there are those who are, are grieving because of someone that's gone home to be with the Lord. But... But we don't grieve as others who have no hope. Isn't that wonderful? Because the apostle reminds us that the, the believer who dies has just fallen asleep. They've just fallen asleep. And he reminds us that those who sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. Isn't that wonderful? One day they're going to be awakened. And one day if I die and I'm buried six feet under, I'm going to be awakened. And God's going to give me a brand new glorious body likened unto his own body. And he's going to take me home to glory. What a day that's going to be. Are you looking forward to it? Are you looking forward to it? I'm looking forward to that day when we'll all be united with our Lord Jesus Christ in glory. But with every, with every appointment there is a person involved. And there is a purpose to the appointment. A result, a decision, a judgment... And there's an outcome of the appointment, good or bad, right or wrong. When we're young in life, we make future plans, don't we? For the years that are ahead, leaving school, university, work, girlfriends, boyfriends, marriage, children, etc. Heartaches sometimes, we don't plan for the heartaches, but they come our way. But the Bible says that we've not to boast about tomorrow, for we never know what a day may bring forth. I remember on one occasion I had three friends who passed away very suddenly. One man was killed at work and I found him in the corner of a plant room. Another man died in a switch room with a heart attack. And, and I along with another manager had to go and, and carry out CPR. And another man who, who died suddenly with cancer. He came in to see me one day. He says, Rob, I'm sorry I'm off work. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, he said, I've been to my doctor. I says, go back to your doctor and tell him if you don't, if he doesn't get you into a hospital, you're going to sue the pants off him. Now that's not me. But away he went. And they sent him into a hospital. And after they did the investigation in hospital, they gave him no more than three months to live. Wasn't that tragic? But I went to see him in the hospice. And he died. As far as I know, not knowing Christ. What a tragedy. And these three deaths had a dramatic impact on me and, and, and how I actually looked at God. What was God saying to me in the midst of all of these deaths? 
But with each of them, there was an appointed time. Inasmuch, says our text, as it is appointed unto man, God has set a, a point in his calendar when he will take his mercy from each one of us. There is a definite occasion from which none of us can escape. God has foreordained your appointment with death. That sounds terrible. But that's what the Bible says. And God has appointed a time and a place and you are that person. It is you. The place will either be at the great white throne judgment or at the judgment seat of Christ. There is a, a great white throne judgment for those who will reject Jesus Christ. And there is a, a judgment seat of Christ where the believers will be gathered together and judged for according to the works of faith that they have done. I want to read this poem to you. And if you've got a watch now, I would like you to look at your watch and note the time. Can you? Just note it mentally. I'm going to start reading this poem now. The clock of life is wound but once. And no man has the power to tell just what the hands will stop. When the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. Now look at your watch again. How much time elapsed? A minute. Very short period of time. But within that very short period of time, 39 people have passed from time out into eternity. Every hour approximately five and a half thousand people go to make their maker. You or I could have been one of them. And one day it will be. So let's ask the question then. Why do people die? Why is it, why is it that people have to cease to live? Well, sin has entered the world through Adam. And sin of course is just fundamentally rebellion against God. When we rebel against God, that's sin. When we say no to God, that's sin. When we say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. When you witness to somebody and they say to you, I'm not interested, that's rebellion against God. When they break his law, when they lie, when they cheat, when they steal, when they commit adultery, when they covet, they break the law of God. It's sin, it's rebellion against God. And do you know something? I've got two grandchildren. I've never had to teach them to rebel. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They rebel out of their own nature. That's because of the nature of sin. You can identify with that, can't you? Yeah. We've never had to give them the CD of the month or the tape of the month or the book of the month to teach them how to rebel. But we're constantly having to teach them to do good. And that's because of the nature of sin that lies within them. Well... Paul writing to the church at Rome says this therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin so death was spread to all men because all have sinned sin spread to everyone and the effects of sin are not only upon the soul but upon the body as well as the world itself this is why we have sin sickness and natural disasters this world that we live in is not the world that God created Oh yes, God created the heavens and the earth. But this world has become the world that man has turned into because of the rebellion against a holy God. 
But the nature of God's holiness and justice is that he will not tolerate sin. You and I have completely and are, are completely and utterly depraved in our nature. There is nothing we can do to resolve that. We are as far as God is concerned in ourselves without hope in this world. That's what the Bible says. When we were without hope in due time, Christ died for us. So we're lost and the question is this, how is it possible then for God to be just if he must punish sin? How is it possible for God to be just and justify the sinner? Now this is not probably a question um, that will keep you awake at night. Probably we don't think about it. You've never been asked the question when you've shared Christ with someone. If you're a Christian and you've been witnessing to someone, has someone ever said, said that to you? How is it possible for God to be just and justify a sinner? It's not something that crosses our mind immediately. But the answer is this. God must maintain his absolute justice by punishing all sin. And an unjust God would not be God at all if God... Uh, therefore if God must punish all sin to maintain his absolute justice how can he forgive sinners it's a strange strange question if a human judge started showing love by pardoning, pardoning murderers and terrorists and rapists we'd say hold on a minute we wouldn't be very happy about it we really wouldn't it's horrible he's not upholding justice that judge so the question that Paul is grappling with is how can a holy God be just if he pardons guilty sinners how can he be God of, a God of love who shows mercy and yet be a, a, a righteous God of justice the answer is this Jesus sacrificial death on the cross satisfied God's wrath and displays his justice in justifying sinners who have faith in Jesus Christ in other words that death on the cross that Jesus died God poured out upon him his wrath so that those who believe in Jesus would immediately have their sins forgiven isn't that wonderful so God's justice is met in the person of Jesus Christ and your pardon and my pardon is met also in the Jesus Christ when we come and put our faith and trust in him I want to ask you a question are you ready for your appointment with death are you ready? An appointment from which you cannot escape. This is your opportunity to get right with God. And there may never be another opportunity for you to do so. Remember, all of those people that die within the period of an hour, or within the period that we read that poem, and you and I, it might be somebody in here before the end of this meeting, such is the brevity of time. Such is the brevity of time. And sometimes we treat time as if we've got all the time in the world to do something. We don't. And this is why I spend more of my time evangelizing and teaching the word of God now than ever before. Because I realize there is a lost world out there that needs Jesus Christ. And maybe you're in here this morning and you need the Lord Jesus Christ at the center of your life. I want to tell you if you are. I want to tell you this morning that he wants to change you. He doesn't want to put a coat of varnish on an old vessel. He wants to make you a brand new person. That was why he died on the cross. That was why he gave his life for you. So we have 
an appointed person. The next point is an appointed purpose. The passage reminds us that the purpose of this appointment is judgment. God has made it abundantly clear in his word. Acts 17.31-34 says this. God hath pointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross, whom he hath ordained, and whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some of them mocked. Some derided. Others said, we will hear you again of this matter. They delayed making a decision. Some believed. Some decided that day that they would yield their life to Jesus Christ. Jude says in chapter 1 and verse 18, In the last days there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. In that particular passage there are three groups of persons. There are those that mock. Maybe you're here this morning as a believer but before you were converted, you mocked God. You, you just absolutely had no time for God. You rebelled against him. He was the last person in your thoughts. And then all of a sudden, God touches your life. And you realize that God is, and that he's real. And you discover the transforming power of God in your life when you place your faith and trust in him. Some people mock God. Some people delay. King Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Maybe you're putting it off. Maybe you've thought about it time after time after time. Remember the clock is ticking. And because you're here this morning, I want to say that God is calling you to himself. You're not just here just because you walked in through the door. God in his sovereign will decided that he wanted you to come along here this morning. And in his mercy and grace has brought you here to hear the word of God. There is nothing, no surprises with God. God knows everything. He knows all things. The Bible says, who has been God's counsellor? We cannot counsel God because he is and always ever shall be. God is God. Some people delay. What about you this morning? Have you been putting off coming to faith in Christ? Have you been convicted of your sin and realized that you're without hope in this world? Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you deceived someone? Have you committed adultery? Have you been covetousness? Are you filled with idolatry? What is an idol? What is idolatry? An idol is something that you love more than God. If I had to love my car more than God and spend more time in my car than I was uh, loving God and I did loving and serving God, my car would become an idol. I'm sure if Graham all he did was spend time on that keyboard playing away, his keyboard would become an idol. But he's using it for the glory of God. Not for his own glory. But for the glory of God. We have to be very careful as Christians how we actually live. Is there something in our life? A room in our life that God wants to come into. And that he wants to be master over. And we need to yield our life to him. And he's speaking to you about that particular area of, of your life. And he wants to be Lord of all of your life. Not just a part of it. He wants to be Lord of all of your life. So with people who delayed, with people also who decided 
the most glorious moment in my life was the day I was broken before God and came to faith in Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned. What does that mean? It means that the condemnation and the judgment uh, that's on you just now is removed. The moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ and believe in him and trust him. He takes all of your sin away. Isn't that wonderful? I was dancing. I tell you, when I discovered that my sin was gone forever and ever and ever and ever. And never once would ever the Satan come and point the finger, the accusing finger at me. Because when he does, do you know how God sees me? Standing in the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. What a wonderful Savior. What about you this morning? Are you standing in the righteousness of Christ? Have all of your sins been forgiven? Do you have assurance of eternal life? Well, this condemnation is based on whether you continue to love your sin and rebel against God. Or whether you are willing to repent and seek God's forgiveness. In your mind's eye, I want to, you to try and take yourself forward to that day when you will stand before God in judgment for your sin at the great white throne and in rebellion against him. There you are. God is about to judge you. And the question is, will he find you guilty or not guilty? What do you think? Have you broken God's law? Have you sinned against him? Has your life in me been constant rebellion against him? It's not a question as to whether you've just broken his law, for we have all broken God's law. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. But the real question is this, are you willing to yield yourself to the mercy of God? How will God judge you? Guilty? Or not guilty. You have an appointed purpose with the judgment of God from which you cannot escape. And God will judge you in your sin. Thirdly, there is an appointed outcome. This is the scary part. If God were to judge any of us here now, where would he send us? Heaven or hell? I stood in a tent one night listening to a preacher saying that you can go on to the bus that takes you to heaven or the bus that takes you to hell. A million times no. Our default position is that we are already on the broad road that leads to destruction. We are already on the broad road that leads to hell. Jesus died on the cross to uh, save us from that and to get us on to the narrow road that leads us to life eternal. What about you this morning? How is this judgment going to unfold for you as an unbeliever? Let me read some verses from Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat in it, from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was a book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. Everything that we do, everything that we say, every act that is not in accordance with God for the unbeliever is recorded in heaven. So that you will be judged. The moment we believe, it's wiped out. It's washed away for all eternity. That's, that's 
the grandeur and the glorious grandeur of the salvation that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, what a Saviour. Say it with me. Hallelujah, what a Saviour. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And the death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged everyone according to their deeds. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. This is a second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. This is God's word, not mine. And I would not be a servant of God, a true servant of God, if I were not to tell you the truth. And sometimes it hurts to learn the truth, doesn't it? I remember many years ago passing through some difficult circumstances and a dear friend came to me one that I knew very well one that I loved dearly and he said to me you know Robert you were wrong and I was hurt I was cut to the quick and he began to talk to me about why I was wrong and I couldn't believe it and I wasn't willing to accept it and I walked away and I was sharing the story with another friend you know what he said to me? He said, Rob, he said, a friend will always tell you the truth, even though sometimes it hurts. A friend is not a friend that will not tell you the truth. I would not be your friend this morning if I did not warn you to flee from the wrath of God which is to come. It's a horrible, horrible outcome. The tragedy of going into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ is desperate. Read Luke 16 for yourself. There was a man in hell. And do you know something? When you're in hell, you will look up and you'll see the saints in heaven. There's nothing you can do about it. And he became an evangelist. And he said, Lord, send somebody to tell my five brothers. And he was absolutely tormented. He said, Lord, send somebody to dip the tip of their finger in water and could cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flames. It's a horrible, horrible experience. My friend, this is the final judgment for those who reject Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. And I want to ask you this morning, is your name in the book of life? If you have not repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Saviour, your name will not be in the book of life. That's what the Bible says. This is God's judgment. Guilty. As charged. God is in heaven. And he's speaking to you now. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You can continue to ignore and reject Jesus Christ, who in his death endured the wrath of God Almighty for you. Or you can repent and believe in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I want to ask you this morning. I want to appeal to you this morning. Paul writing to the church at Rome says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it mean to call upon him? It means to look away from yourself. It means to look away from your religion, from your church, from your denomination, from your baptism and church membership and all of your good works. There is absolutely nothing meritorious in us at all that would cause us and cause God to say, yes, I will forgive you. 
We must look exclusively to the person of Jesus Christ. And only in Christ alone can we be cleansed from our sin and justified before a holy God. Because God has met the punishment for our sin in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He wants to save you this morning. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Will you call upon him? You willing to repent of your sin now? Come to faith in Jesus Christ. I can tell you that if you repent of your sin now on the authority of God's word, he will save you now, right at this moment in time. And not just for time, but for all eternity. John chapter 10. He says, I give unto my sheep eternal life. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Are you listening to him this morning? Are you going to become one of his sheep? And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. And my father which is greater than I, no one shall pluck them out of my father's hand. Will you call upon him now? There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing you can do to merit it. Absolutely nothing. He will clothe you with his righteousness. And as God looks upon you, he will see the covering for your sin in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A covering which blots out all of the sin in your soul. And makes you clean and ready for heaven. Peter says there is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. If you turn away from him today, you may never get another opportunity to come to the Saviour. This is a defining moment in your life. An opportunity that you may never have again. Remember, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. If you were to die now, where would you spend eternity? If you were to die now, are you ready to meet God in the final judgment? Let us pray. <coughs> Father, we come to you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We realize, Lord, that this is a solemn message. For you have reminded us that death is certain you've reminded us Lord that there is a judgment which is certain but we thank you that you've always also reminded us of the saviour who died on the cross and took our sins in his own body to the tree Father will you speak to all of our hearts don't allow us to delay trusting you. Help us, Lord, if we've never trusted before, by your grace, call us to yourself. And for those of us who know you, Father, we pray that as we hear the word of God spoken, that it will make us all the more determined to take this message of the gospel to those who are around us, to our friends, to our family to our workplaces, to people who don't know the Saviour. And may they come to know him. Him to know his life eternal. In Jesus' name. Amen.